one. What's going on, everybody? Hope you got your coffee ready for the Buckeye Roast. We're in here, which came a little bit of an inside joke, but what's going on, man? 8 a.m., your favorite fan channel, your favorite show to get you up in the morning, get you excited. I'm here with my guy, Ron, and we got a special show today. But, Ron, got to ask you, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Good morning, good morning. Shout out to everyone in the chat. We appreciate you guys pulling up, as always. Make sure you smash that like button. 500 likes this episode. Q's going to shave his eyebrows before he goes into the office, so make sure you smash that like button. But we got a special episode today, Q. Yeah, we do. We got a, we got a special guest for you, our first guest on the Buckeye Row. So let's go ahead and bring him up and let's talk some Buckeye football, man. I'm super excited. So this is Anod Nandori at Nandori NFL on Twitter. He obviously put out a tweet last week that was a banger. He was actually at camps while we were all sitting here talking about it. He got to experience it live. We want to get his perspective. So now go ahead and introduce yourself, and we're happy to have you. What's up, Ron? What's up, Q? Thanks for having me, guys. My name is Anand um, from Columbus, longtime resident, moved to Chicago about two years ago, um, but used to work in the finance department for the league. Uh, Followed Buckeye football. That's my number one. Everybody asks all the time if you could have one one of your teams, one sport, win the title. That's it. It's Ohio State football. It's not even close for me. That's the that's the passion. That's the obsession. But it's never been my full-time gig. So last week when that kind of went viral, um, some of the stuff that I was doing on the side for player profiler for other places was put on hold for a second. And I got to talk with, you know, all my people from Ohio, which was awesome. Love doing that, and so I'm excited to chop it up with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Oh no, it's cool. a great, uh, it's great to have you. I'm super excited to have you. I was, I was, as soon as I saw your tweets, I was like, instant follow. I saw the, <laughs> I saw the tweets coming through. I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. He seems to have the insights. So to have you on the show today is a pleasure. So I can't wait to jump into these questions and learn uh, about what you were seeing out there at camp. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's an awesome opportunity. Um, just a heads up for everyone. It is not a media pass thing. They release 500 tickets for Thursday and Friday. Uh, I will tweet out that link next year when we get the time to, you know, you know, when that time comes again, because I want people that are there that are actually excited about, it. you know, Thursday was a very different feel from Friday in terms of crowd energy, in terms of people knowing where they were going. I saw some familiar faces, some new faces, but it was great. Cause you know, it's it's the team that we love and and the product that we want to see out there is ultimately a national championship. So it's brick by brick along the way, and you know the process is half the fun. Yeah, man, uh, and I'm I'm super jealous because by the time I seen the tickets come out, it was already sold out. I'm like, man, <laughs> we, we didn't have a chance. We could at least got somebody there, but no, that's definitely exciting. And man, I'm excited to see what it's like to see these actual players in person and just see get the feel of it, get the feel of camp, get the feel that football is actually back. I mean, we've been all struggling through this off season, chip chomping at the bits for another chance to you know go after a natty. So we'll def talk about that. We have some questions for you. So I'll pass over to Ron and we'll jump in there. We want to pick your brain a little bit. Before we even get into the questions, Q, you're going to have the, the people watching so confused. Just on the last episode, you were talking about driving to the Rose Bowl. Now you're talking about buying tickets to practice at camp. Where do you live? Where are you at? Hey, hey, you're hey I'm a man. You're driving to the Rose Bowl. You're pulling up at practice. This boy Q got you got you on the air OVO. Like you have your own plane, you, sir. You think like I can actually see the Buckeyes in person. I ain't gonna find a way to get there. <laughs> you know, I would say I'm I'm hopping in somebody's car and we getting over there. So I just I'm know gonna... I need some real estate wherever you're splitting the distance, <laughs> driving from Columbus to the Rose Bowl in such a short distance. I don't know what. Elon Musk super tram that you're on that's getting you around the country so fast, but I need in on it. So I'm going to dive in with some questions here. Uh, the first one that I want to ask about is we hear Ryan Day. He's giving up play calling duties. Brian Hartline's our OC, so he could take a more CEO type approach to this team. Where was Ryan Day at practice these two days? And what was he doing? Um, he kind of did really embrace more of a CEO role. Uh, it, it's, it's hard to do as someone that uh, that's made so many of those decisions for this team and this university over the past few years, 
it's got to be tough to let that go because that's what makes you great. It's it's one of those things where if you're so good at doing something, the ability to teach it to someone else is one thing, but the ability to let someone else teach what you've taught them to someone else is an entirely different struggle that he's going through for the first time. This is his first head coaching gig ever. He's never had these problems before, and to watch them play out in public at Ohio State is a different level of scrutiny than you'd get at you know, Urban Meyer's first job at Bowling Green, Jim Trestle's job at Youngstown State. There's a different level of scrutiny when you have to go through those pains on a national level. When you when they watch you become unglued playing against Michigan last year, they watch you against Georgia. Giving up play calling is one thing, but actually accepting the role of CEO that goes along with that is something that I think he's done a really good job of. And you can tell out there, he's not worried about every intrinsic detail in the way that he had been before he's trusting the guys that he's put in those spots to do what they do. And I think that's going to bring a better end result, even if there are some growing pains in the process. Yeah. And, and quickly to piggyback off of that, I think we've kind of seen this across the country and not just with Ryan day of the struggle of these young offensive minds who are so tied to their offense and they're calling plays and games. And they're so focused on that side of the ball that their defenses start to slagger. If they don't get the right guy over there, it tends to bite that team in the ass. So it's interesting to see him actually giving it up and actually giving it to Brian Hartline, which we all hope in faith that that's plan six through and it works successfully and actually see how that's going to play out. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough transition for just about anyone. Um, whether you look at a Josh Heupel at Tennessee, whether you look at a Lincoln Riley, a Chip Kelly, all of these guys, and obviously we know Chip was Ryan's mentor. It's hard to really let go of the sticks and let go of the things that made you so dynamic and such an attractive coaching candidate to begin with. But I think the last national championship winner that was also a play caller is Jimbo Fisher in 2013. Like, college football has changed so much in that decade where you're going to have to give input. Obviously, I don't think it's going to be heartline 100%, but Ryan's got to figure out here, where do I need to spend my time and resources and energy to make this team be the best 2023 Ohio State football team that we can have instead of just my offense is going to be my offense and we're just going to put up 50 and beat anyone that way. Yeah, I think I think everything has changed since then, but Jimbo as we yeah. see his offense. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but yeah, go ahead, Ron. So I wanted to ask more about the coaches. Uh, being out there, and I'm not sure how close you were to the action, but could you tell who the most vocal coach was out there? It's Tony Alford. <laughs> and and uh, it's, just, it's just for everybody. I mean, he's out there. And, and uh, honorable mention, Jim Knowles had a few moments where, I mean, you're, you're talking about basically NFL coaching out there where they're ripping into people. They don't care. You are a professional. You came here to do a job, get your shit done is, is was, was basically the message from, uh, from Jim a couple of times. And you got to understand these poor DBs that we have here are going against wide receiver four, five, six, seven, eight that are among the best in the country period, no matter where they are. They just happen to be wide receiver eight on this roster. And I'm sorry, insert freshman corner here. You're going to have to deal with that temporarily, but it wasn't, you know, I know people read into a lot of what I put out there, but it was way more about the fact that the freshman receivers were much more ready than I thought than that the DBs did anything wrong, but Knowles was on everybody. He was on the backers. He was on the edge rushers. He was on, the DBs, it's clear that he is going from taking the pieces that he was given in 2022 and doing the best that he could with what he inherited and bringing in a Tanner McAllister, you know, and then this offseason bringing in an Igbenosin. There are going to be guys that, that he prioritizes in the portal now that he couldn't have a year ago just because he didn't understand the depth that he, had, he that he was inheriting on this roster is this kid that came in as a true freshman going to be able to play his sophomore junior redshirt junior what does the timeline for all of these guys look like it's obviously going to be a jump year one to year two tony was on every offensive player as you know a high energy guy as he is but uh those were the two that really stuck out were were uh were tony and and were jim so I want to piggyback right off of that and go with who was the most vocal player out there? Because something that we talk about on the show a lot is 
there was a moment. So we were live streaming uh, the Michigan game on playback last year. And uh, I was in a restaurant with our guys, Des and Q, and I look over at them as the fourth quarter is about to start. And there's a Michigan player standing up on the bench screaming at everyone. And I looked at both of them and I said, there's not a single person on this roster that would do this. And I was like, I have not seen someone scream at someone in Columbus, and I couldn't tell you how long. So I want to know, are there those vocal leaders out there on the field? Because I feel like that's something that we have been missing in the past. I think it's going to come from an unexpected place. And uh, full disclosure, Friday practice was really, really tough for Julian Fleming. But he was by far the most exotic, animated player that we had out there. And you could tell it was bothering him. It wasn't bothering him because of his roster spot or because, you know, they're a freshman that could take that job. It was bothering him because he's been there so many times where the team is this close to being what it can be and what we've always wanted it to be, which is that 2014 team that captured lightning in a bottle and made the run. The team that we thought we had in 2015, team that we thought we had in 2019. Those teams all had something in common, and it was someone was bringing the energy and pushing everybody that wasn't necessarily a superstar yet and whether you go back to your Jalen Marshalls you can go back to your Evan Spencers from that 2014 team 2019 it was a whole host of guys whether it was the backup DBs the backup edge rushers they just brought juice and I think Julian especially having a, a tough you know outing that Friday he still spent the time to talk to everybody you could see how animated and how upset it made him that he wasn't making the routine plays that he'd made throughout his career I think you could see that as you could look at it as a negative. He had a tough day at practice and, you know, you might get ran up on by either whether it's Jaden Ballard, whether it's Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis, whoever it is, or you can take it for what I think it is, which is he cares and this, and, and it matters to him. And if it didn't matter to him, he would have transferred and been the best player at insert random power five school here. He yeah. wants it here, though, and and that that matters not to the the Marvs and the Emekas of the world because he's not going to push them for snaps. But it's going to show these young kids we're here to compete with each other, but ultimately we're here to get this done. They're talking about our coach as a guy that may not be able to get it done. They're asking questions about our quarterbacks. They're asking questions about our defensive coordinator, and we are the strength of this team. It's on us to get this shit done. I think that he's taken that leadership role in a manner that you probably wouldn't have seen a year ago or two years ago, but he's the guy that I have my eye on as it doesn't matter if he's playing in the third or fourth quarters of these Michigan games, the national championship game, the playoff games, he's going to bring energy that, that that's been lacking at a spot of seniority that we've needed for a long time. So you preface your statements multiple times with scenarios of Julian Fleming not being on the field to provide that leadership. Can we dig into that a little bit more? Like this outing that he had on Friday, is this something that you believe that? So we did an episode on Buckeye BS a two weeks ago uh, regarding the battle that no one's talking about. And I yeah. said the wide receiver position at Z is probably the next biggest battle behind. I mean, you have, quarterback tackle nickel maybe and then the z position and no one wants to talk about it so do you feel like someone is truly pushing him could we see a shakeup where Emeka goes back out to z and we see ennis in the slot do you think ballard is showing enough that he's ready to step into that role or are we going to see a bigger rotation what is your what is your vibe going into this season regarding that room i think the biggest question that you're going to have to answer there is early on, who is your quarterback? Because they all have different skill sets. As much as we'd like to put them all in a box, oh, we have all of these five-star receivers. They're all great. They all do different things. Um, Brandon Innes and Carnell Tate are going to see the field. There's no way that they don't. Now, I don't necessarily think that means that they're going to start at Z day one <laughs> when they take the field against Indiana, but you're looking at these kids, man, and they are so, so polished already. They don't look like freshmen at all. And that's really a testament to their high school coaches. It's a testament 
to the work that they themselves have put in. Jaden Ballard also goes in this bucket where we've seen these kids put together really quality highlight real plays. The problem becomes there's a drastic difference between playing at high school and playing against air versus getting real physical big 10 corners. Kalen King against any of the freshman receivers is a different story than, Hey, we have no pads on in camp. What can you do? Yeah. I think Julian is going to provide a lot of leadership at that spot that otherwise I think it's going to be him and Jaden basically matchup dependent on who plays there and who doesn't. But I don't think it's a, it's a competition in the traditional sense of one guy is going to get it. And one guy isn't, I think they're going to play matchups with those two much more than they would have been willing to two years ago or three years ago when you had Garrett, Chris and Jackson as the one, two, three, nobody's really touching them, but eventually there's going to be a time where Julian either separates himself and really truly becomes what we think he should have been from the start. And obviously injuries done some stuff there and he's had a couple rough days out there, but the talent remains the same. I mean, that kid, if, if it, if it all gets put together, you're looking at, you know, an NFL receiver coach's dream. So you've got seven or eight of these kids out there. If you include Marvin Emeka that are special, like, it's not about the DBs being bad. It's not about, you know, this wide receiver isn't good enough to play here. It's just you have an abundance of talent. And at times there are guys that just haven't made the NFL jump as quickly as you'd like. And they're either going to be forced out or they're going to be forced to take a reduced role. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen immediately, but he's got a chance to resecure this job early on in the season where when you know his quarterback's going to need him because like you said tackle is a is a concern the, the offensive tackle battle is a concern and the very last thing that you want to do is break in a relatively new quarterback whether it's Kyle or whether it's Devin a, with pass rushers directly in his face i think tackle's going to go a long way to determining how badly do we need veteran leadership at that z position how badly do we need someone that can separate? Is it just going to be we need someone to get open immediately, throw out whoever's ready first? We may see a rotation of guys. But I think ultimately if you had to pencil in right now who your Z is, I still think it's Fleming. And I do think Ballard, Tate, Ennis are all pushing for snaps in that rotation. But Marv and Emeka are obviously going to be the guys that are out there in two sets. Yeah, and you, and you touched on something that we talked about on our Sunday show on Buck IBS is actually moving this room to actually being six deep because when Zach Smith had it back a while ago, we would have the six deep. We have guys not getting tired late because he learned in the Big Ten Championship that you play these guys over and over again, you burn them out at the end of the season. They don't look like they did before. So actually that brings to light that we can actually go this deep. So Marvin Emeka in the Michigan game looked like Marvin Emeka in the Indiana game. No disrespect to Indiana. but <laughs> Indiana, bro. When you're a 28-point home dog. Man, <laughs> yeah. a little Reddit joke we have, but um, yeah, Q has an obsession with Indiana, and for some reason, way way back when we first started our pod, I said something about Indiana, and he's like, "No disrespect to Indiana," and I'm like, "Since when? <laughs> Fuck the Hoosiers!" Like all the disrespect that you want to actually shovel some extra disrespect on there while we're at it. So now Q is always. Always hesitant to disrespect Indiana, and I'm always like pile on. Yeah, I I use them as examples a lot for when we were blowing out teams. So I was like, well, no disrespect to Indiana, but when we were playing, they were going win by fifty. So that's kind of how it started. Shout to my good people over at Kilroy's in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, but no, it's it's good to hear that we can actually go deep in the rotation to have, or we should be playing six, and that'll definitely help us later out in the season. And I also wanted to follow up on something you said about Julian Fleming. Obviously, some of the older veterans Xavier Johnson still there guys like that and I think this team runs best when you have a lot of really good young talent you have some older veterans that sort of provide that leadership in that direction I wanted to get from you being there in person what was the vibe of this team because I asked like coming off the two Michigan losses obviously that game against Georgia like I felt like there was a real sense of urgency going through the summer like the pressure is really on and I felt like this is the window where we're going to get it done this year, or it might be a little time before the talent kind of catches back up and we have another shot, especially with JT, Jack Sawyer, a lot of the, uh, that big 2021 class. 
of of talent leaving or most of them probably leaving. So I want to get your your take on the vibe of the team as as you've seen it. I think they understand that this team is defensive line oriented, which it hasn't been in a couple of years. But the best Ohio State teams that we've seen in the last decade plus have been absolute maulers on the D-line, whether it's, you know, the Boses, Sam Hubbard, Chase Young, the defensive interior guys that we've had, whether it's Draymond Jones, take your pick, any or all of them. And I think they know this team can, the defense can carry them early if needed, which is something that we haven't been able to say for a while. Um, that, that front four of JTT, Michael Hall, it might be honestly one of the most underrated players probably in America. I, I mean, we've all watched him and we know what he can do, but nobody talks about Michael Hall like that yet. Ty Hamilton, phenomenal player. You're going to be able to rota rotate Ty Leak in there. I think they're also going to do something that they haven't done in a while, which is rotating the edge rushers. You're going to see some Caden Curry. You're going to see some Kenyatta Jackson. The guy is obviously JT Tuimoluau. There's no question about it. That's that's your probable best defensive player, period. But if Jack Sawyer takes that step, and I think we're starting to see the effects of, oh, there might be something here. If you get that front four working the way that they can, this team's going to run through their D-line. It's the second best room that we have behind the wide receivers, which we just went to in length. Those two units are going to be able to carry the team until the offensive line, until some of the secondary questions that we want answered, until we get stability at quarterback. All of these questions that we have, which aren't really questions against a team like in Indiana, they're not going to be questions against Youngstown State or Western Kentucky. They're really going to be answered when we play Notre Dame, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan. Those are the big four games on the schedule. So these are all projections for that. I don't think anybody's going to struggle against Indiana because Indiana just doesn't have the talent that Ohio state brings in on the two deep or even the three deep year after year. So taking away what we can take away from Indiana is going to be interesting, but that's really our only barometer throughout the year until we get to Notre Dame, which is a tough scenario to ask whatever quarterback gets to start to go into you're asking a quarterback that's played if it's Kyle at that point four games that started four games to go into Notre Dame at night and what's probably going to be one of the most raucous environments he's going to see as a starter at Ohio State whether it's Kyle or whether it's Devin and that's just a tall order to send someone into when you have questions at tackle luckily you have a tight end in Stover that's built for it and can help potentially whatever tackle is needed. You've got guys in the wide receiver room that are capable of separating immediately. Maybe you get some short, quick game stuff going as opposed to trying to go vertical. You know what the running back room looks like with the stable of backs that we've had for a couple of years, hopefully all healthy and working now. And then I think the guy that nobody's talking about, I think Q, you just touched on it. Xavier Johnson fills roles for this team simply because he's been there. You know, there, there are going to be games where you need an RB3 or wide receiver four or five, and he can fill multiple roles, even though he's probably not as good as a Carnell Tate. He's just done it before. We watched him do it against Georgia. That different, that that's going to make all the difference in the world when you're teaching guys in that six deep, like we were talking about in the receiver room, or in, in this case, the five deep in the running back room. It's going to be a huge difference in terms of what those kids are getting exposed to almost immediately. He's one of my favorite players on this team. Yeah. I hope we find ways to get him back out there, but man, those depth charts are crazy at receiver running back right now. Yeah, man, it's, it's going to be hard because I knew I knew uh, XJ was coming back, but I was like, man, uh, I don't know how you're going to get time in here, especially with Ennis coming in. You know, the guys we have coming back, it's going to be tough sledding. So um, so I, I do want to ask for all that. So we touched on the defensive line. As long as Larry Johnson doesn't put on his best Dean Smith impression, these guys should go out there and, and be freak shows. It should be crazy. But I want to know. Is this defense really, you said, you said they look good. Are they really primed for that level up? When I say level up, I'm talking that top 10 defense. That's what Jim knows promised us. Well, he, he said top five. We're going to hold him to top 10. So top 10 defense, is that what we should be expecting from this defense? 
I don't think they're going to be there early in the year in terms of what you think a top 10 defense will look like. But I think by the time we get to Penn State, you're going to know the answer to that. And I think the answer is going to be yes. And a big part of it is he inherited what he inherited, right? I mean, you can ask guys to transfer. You can try to fit guys to your scheme. One of the things that we as Ohio State fans asked of our D coordinators, whether it was Halfley, whether it was the uh, the Kerry Combs years, we, we won't talk about those. It was a dark time. But all we asked is get the best 11 out there. Yeah. Don't run a scheme that requires you to take any of your best 11 off the field. And this year, the, the guy, and obviously I tweeted about it and people freaked out about it, Sonny Styles is everywhere. And I mean everywhere. Whether they ran him as the nickel, whether they ran him as a linebacker, they met, they moved him all over the place. You got to see some fun stuff with him. That's the guy where you're looking at a, and I mean, talent profile is very similar. Yeah. You're looking at what Clemson had in Isaiah Simmons, where you just don't have anybody that looks and plays like that. We've never had anyone that looks and plays like that. I mean, he's towering over people. They list him at six foot four. I don't think he's six four at all. I think he's significantly taller than that and significantly bigger than that, but he doesn't move like it. Yeah. It's unlike anything you'll ever see elsewhere. It almost reminds me of what we looked at with Marv, where you're watching his dad's footwork and body control, but in a six foot four frame and in your brain, it just does. It doesn't make sense until you've seen it enough. <laughs> That's what Sonny looked like out there. We're, we're all sitting there like looking at each other, like who the hell is that? Because that's not the guy that they put out there for a couple snaps in the Georgia game. He looks entirely different. He looks like exactly what we wanted to see out of that position. And I think that's going to stabilize a lot of things. I mean, you don't need your cornerbacks to be all Americans for them to hold up in coverage long enough. When you've got this the line that's this good, we haven't had a D line that's this good in a hot minute. And everybody's freaking out about the DBs you know, versus the wide receivers and basically what amounts to seven on seven. They're not going to have to hold up that long because those D linemen are coming, man. Yeah, they're coming, and uh, the basically the, the five some that we saw out there most of the time. Um, I, I thought they rotated in a Jair Brown more than I anticipated. They rotated in a Cam Martinez and a Kai Stokes and a Josh Proctor a little bit more than anticipated, but it was basically Denzel, Jordan Hancock, Jahad Carter, Lathan, and Sonny Styles. Those were the five that were. Basically, it seemed like if we're going to run a 4-2-5, those are our five. So they're willing to put them out there. And that's all any uh, any of <laughs> any of us can really want. Because, yeah. I mean, if you put him out there, he's going to make plays. And we watched him make plays against the best of the best the past couple of days. So that should yeah. be a lot of fun. No, yeah, because we, 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 are, we are of this show of we push talent. So, you know, we've had a yeah. lot of hard debates of – we got to get CJ Higgs on the field. We got oh, yeah. to get Styles on the field. And then we just we just got to go from there. Like, put that talent, especially because when me and Chris Drew talked about on State of the Program, we're like, yes, we're getting good play throughout the season, but we get these bigger games. You start to see that talent gap certain positions happen. And it's like, because we don't put these guys in early, because we don't give them times against the Indianas, against the Western Kentuckys or whoever – we may be depriving ourselves of actually having the best team that we could have on the field at the end of the season. So that's exciting to hear that these guys are starting stepping up and, and, and making their uh, making their presence felt, I would say. So let me plug you real quick again. This is this is an, uh, Nandori. He is uh, Nandor, Nandori on NFL. Nandor NFL on Twitter. So make sure you give him a follow. Make sure you tap in with him. We appreciate you having us in here. I got one more quick question for you. I wanted to get the standout freshman that you've seen. Now, you touched on Tate. And you touched on Ennis, so stay away from those guys. And hopefully I can throw my guy Ron a bone here <laughs> on another guy he's looking out for. But of the early newcomers, who stood out to you besides those two? It's Noah Rogers. And, ah, and, and, I mean, <laughs> and, and I know. Fired. We're done with this interview. It's a wrap. That's an incorrect question. The correct answer was Malik Hartford. Sorry. We appreciate you joining and, us for today. We are here every morning at 8 a.m. I appreciate you guys tuning in to Buckeye BS. That's a wrap. And it's not even Buckeye BS. This is the, this is the Buckeye Rose. You, See, you have... 
You have me completely scrambled with that one. I was looking for Malik Hartford there. No, I mean, Malik looked Noah fantastic. <laughs> Malik Hartford looked fantastic. There's no question. Um, again, all of these guys are just fighting for reps, and you're just watching the talent on this team is is different. You you wait for a year or two to get guys established at positions, kind of like we watched with the tackles last year, where it's okay. We'll figure out the interior of the line. Nobody has to worry about who the, who our tackles are. This year, nobody has to worry about most positions other than, obviously, who is the quarterback going to be. We have a tackle battle. We documented that pretty well. And the only other real question is who are actually going to be our DBs, right? And, and I, I got to tell you, Malik Hartford – when he was out there, looked every bit the part of what Ron wants him to be. <laughs> Will they get him out there yet? I don't know. <laughs> That's a really tall order given the guys that are in front of him. Uh, but Noah Rogers, man, it, it's, it's kind of like the, the the forgotten sibling of the triplets that we have coming in this year. I, everybody's in love with Brandon. Everybody's in love with Carnell. Noah Rogers equally looks the part of a guy that if they asked him to, if you asked him to go out there against Michigan, and it's rare, it's really, really rare historically that Ohio State gets huge freshman contributions against Michigan. We saw it with Maurice Claret. We've seen it the past few times with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. He, I think he's that the kind of guy that you're sitting there looking at. Nobody's talking about. Not yet a household name, especially across the country. Among Buckeye fans, obviously, there are a few splash plays that were made at camp. He made the highlight reel with the uh, the tipped catch to himself, which was crazy. But it's just – it's understanding that you don't just have a receiver room that's six, seven, eight deep. There's six, seven, eight deep that you can actually rely on, that you could throw out there in a game and feel good about. Do I think that I want him out there? Probably not. But against just about anybody else for, for select snaps here and there, I think the kid can hold his own and – that is crazy talking about a guy that's that deep on the depth chart. So love what the freshman showed us this year. That's a really, really special freshman class that, uh, that Ryan days put together. And, and I think they're only going to get better, which yeah. is exciting for us and probably terrifying for, uh, for anybody that's not an Ohio state fan that's tuning in, but man, those kids are special and Malik's going to be another really, really good one. Yeah. And I feel like we've I feel like we pressured him into too much Malik conversation, <laughs> but I'm here for it. We are driving the bus for Malik, and I just want to take this time to thank you again before we get into these last couple questions. This has been a great time, and you've provided so much insight for us. Um, I just want to thank everyone that's in the chat right now. Make sure you smash that like button. Make sure that you're subscribed. Get us the 200 likes, and maybe we'll have a special guest on the show here again soon. I think this has been an awesome time having a guest on the show. So get us to 200 and maybe we'll get the guy Chris drew on here before the end of the week. So, <laughs> so uh, let's jump into a couple more questions. Can I get a, your most outstanding player on offense and defense from the two days at camp? I mean, the most outstanding player on offense is obvious. So I'm not just, I'm, I'm not going to go there. It's, it's a, it would be a colossal waste of our time for me to tell you that Marvin Harrison Jr. is a super alien with no one needs to hear that. Like that's a, it's the easy cop out. So I'm going to, I'm going to go away from that. But uh, offensively, man, Cade Stover's impressive player. And, and, you know, especially looking at NFL guys and the ways that they're utilized. He does so much, so many of the little things well, and they, they don't necessarily translate to, you know, the most catches or the most yards, but occasionally you just need to have a guy that's a junkyard dog. That's willing to fight people that really is down to get in the sandbox and box the shit out of somebody. Cade Stover is that guy. And watching him this week, especially, you know, you, you, you saw Kyle throw it to him. You saw Devin throw it to him. Lincoln throw it to him. It didn't matter. Dude is a matchup nightmare for just about anybody. And we're talking about an offense full of matchup nightmares. But Cade is a really, really special player uh, for the offense. And I think nobody's really talking about the multiplicity of that room, whether it's G. Scott behind him, whether it's Royer, whoever you want to throw in there. Shout out to New Albany's own Patrick Gerd, by the way. That's my guy. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we're 
we're looking at a room here where, again, much like receiver, much like DN, there are a bunch of guys that do things so well. They may be different, but you're not you're not scared to throw any of them out there. And that's just something that in a two deep or a three deep, we haven't had at Ohio State since 2019. There's been an element of we need certain roster groups to stay healthy in order to really compete at that level. And then you watched what happened kind of the, the end of last season. When you look at the team that ultimately fielded those final couple drives against Georgia, you've got guys that were not starters at the beginning of the year. You've got guys that didn't start that game, that didn't start the Michigan game that are giving you valuable snaps against the best team in America. And now that they've constructed a roster like that, it doesn't all have to fall on the quarterback. It doesn't all have to fall on cornerback one. They're going to be able to get really valuable contributions and dominate teams from positions that we haven't seen them dominate teams from in a while. And it's going to make everyone's life easier. Do they grow into a national championship contender? That is a big question that we'll, we'll wait to see because you can never say that at this point of the year, They're, they look every bit, the part of a team that'll be right there at the end, but uh, there are two games they've got to win before we, uh, before we go that far. Yeah, so can I so can I ask real quick because we talked about that battle um a couple Sundays ago, talking about the Joe Royer versus Case Stover battle because obviously the fan base had a lot of smoke for Case Stover, especially not just the, the fan base. Your guy Ron right here has a, <laughs> a lot, lot of smoke for Case Stover because there's one person that jumps off the screen when I rewatch the Michigan game and the Georgia game, and there's one person that really pisses me off during those games. His name is Kate Stover. <laughs> so <laughs> I like again every time I criticize him. Like our guy Berm always gets on me when I criticize him and say, "Hey, like he's like Kate Stover is not a guy that you take off the field. He is a guy that uh, exudes uh, leadership. He's a voice on the field. Like he he does all the little things. And like you said, you you touched on all of those things. And me, I'm like I don't know about the little things, but I need you to do the big things like catch a fucking fade on fourth and two. Like that's like, that's my thing. Like I, I appreciate like that. You know what I mean? He's tough and he, you know what I mean? He looks scary before games, but like, I need you to catch that ball in the corner of the end zone too. So like, I, I hear you on that. And I know Buckeye nation is excited to have him back. And Kate is a do it all guy. You know what I mean? We saw him suit up at linebacker for the Rose bowl. And then halfway through the game, Oh, wait, you're a tight end again. So, like, I'm beyond thankful for the presence that he brings to the team. But at the same time, we got to get them hands together. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I think you're going to see some some guys that you haven't seen out there at tight end, especially early on in the year as they're trying to break in a McCord or a Devin Brown. I don't think they're going to try to throw the ball 45 times a game. I think, you know, we, we go back to the, the CJ game against Oregon. I think he threw the ball that much out of necessity. I don't think they intended for that to be the way that that game went. I don't think that's in the game plan. If we're asking Kyle or Devin to throw the ball 45 times in September games, something has gone horribly, horribly wrong. Uh, <laughs> that being said, you do love to have the depth that we have at tight end, whether it's Cade, whether it's Royer, whether it's G Scott, they're guys that have been there. Like yeah. that's a, it's invaluable when you're talking about an offense, that's going to clearly try to run the ball more than they have in the past and having the running backs that you have, there's all kinds of avenues. We had, uh, we had a few people talking about, you know, the, the, the O-line looked really good in run block. Now, granted really? pads were off, but you know, if you can run the ball on just about anybody whenever you want, that formula still works. <laughs> like, you know, it's nice to be able to throw for 4,500 yards and 40 touchdowns every year, but the formula of beat someone down by running the air out of the ball still works. And if that's the avenue they have to go early, that's the avenue they have to go early. The quarterback's going to have to grow on the job. And I think Cade being that security blanket is going to be great for him early. Although I'm with you, Ron, you you, you got to catch that. You got you, you got to catch that. And I know, I, and I know, no one's more torn up about it than Cade is. You know, we, we can sit here all we want and tell you how upset we were at the bar, seventeen cocktails in screaming at our televisions about it. I was at library losing my mind. Trust me, I know. I was. But, I was but, on live, so people watched my heartbreak. Yeah, so funny. So funny enough, so it's I can play this. 
So we do uh, we do playback TV, which actually allows us to watch the games live and have people in there watching us watch the games. We're all on camera. So that that entire Michigan game was just like the second oh, half. Of it was and we're just public like, oh, no, <laughs> like just look oh, at the chat that, is just booming. Like, <laughs> we and told you know, y'all. You know, the, the funny part is, you know, I talked to my buddies that are, you know, whether it's Michigan fans, Michigan State fans, whatever, but, but that tune into that game every year to watch what that game looks like. If you just looked at a box score, if you didn't watch that, you would think that 2022 was more of the same, where it's, you know, you just got manhandled, the box score looks bad, the final score looks bad. The difference was in 2021, we just got our asses kicked in the trenches, and that's something that can't happen ever. Like, you cannot win a national title with a team that gets its ass kicked in the trenches, and I don't think this team will, but there's – growth needed at a couple line positions on offense last year was just big plays can you limit big plays you didn't get man handled on offense outside of the gigantic explosive runs it's not like they were ripping off eight nine yards of carry like they were the year before it's just a matter of one run fit gone wrong one missed tackle here which i know doesn't change the end result and we're still every bit as pissed off as we should be but that's more fixable than you got your ass kicked on the O and D line for three and a half hours on what is that? The fourth Saturday of November yeah. that you can't live with at least last year's result as bad as it is provided. Hey, maybe you don't gamble in cover zero on third down. Maybe you don't leave cam Martinez alone <laughs> at the sticks on third down with one blown tackle between him and a house call. So we're at all like, let's but, put him on the field. <laughs> but I mean, the addition of Jihad Carter, the addition of Sonny styles in that, in that starting five, hopefully brings enough athleticism and enough juice that you don't have that happen again. Cause man, I don't want to live that a third straight year. <laughs> <laughs> None of us do. I don't think any of us do. And I feel like with, with the growth of this channel, a third straight loss will be significantly less fun. Even though I was in Columbus for that loss on live stream, I text them as things started to get bad. I was like, I love you guys, but I'm not turning this camera back on. Yeah, in this bar. No, like, mean, I'm, not, I'm not doing this shit anymore. Like, this yeah, is. We, this is we talk enough trash that it would be great for the channel as far as people would tune in to see our sorrows, but I don't want to. <laughs> Experience it. Yeah. All yeah, content like, is good content, right? Yeah, like, I'll take I'll take <laughs> the numbers that day. Let's just coast and have a good time, right? But, but bring yeah, man, back sixty two thirty nine, please, God. <laughs> I, I I would like to have a word with every person that says they want this rivalry to be competitive again. Because no, I want to spank their ass by fifty points every year. People are like, "Do you want Michigan to be undefeated going into the game?" No. I want Michigan to lose every time they suit up to play football. If they could come into the game 0-11 every year, wouldn't be mad at all. But before we get out of here, we we I feel like we've been giving you some softball, so we're really going to hold your feet to the fire on this one. Tell us about the QB room and let us know about the depth in that room. And also... We're going to need you to pick a starter before you get out of here. So let us know what you saw from that room, the competitiveness, the interactions between the players. What did you see out there from the quarterback? And if you were Ryan Day, who is your starter week one? So I'll start from the bottom. Um, Everybody was clamoring on a tweet that I made about Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln Keenholz is obviously – not a new name for anyone around here. The uh, the mega star from South Dakota, as Chris would call him, South or West Dakota Heisman. Uh, exactly. <laughs> he looked great out there. He did not look like a freshman at all. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he's the best player for the job. There are some things to refine there. There's some stuff. But after a year with Ryan, he's going to be a really, really, really special football player and provide juice that we just haven't had at that position in that manner in a second. But Devin Brown and Kyle McCord both looked really good. It's not a, we're we're not in an Alabama spot. Alabama right now is looking at the transfer portal and Tyler Buckner, who started against us last year (laughs) in Notre Dame was the guy that they brought in for competition. This is absolutely not that everybody calm the fuck down. (laughs) They're going to be fine. 
the answer to your original question is what is what is the court what do the quarterbacks look like how are those interactions the real answer is it doesn't matter because we're going to get production <laughs> production out of Ron if we throw him out there it's not going to matter until Notre Dame and so as much as everybody wants to make it a will it be Kyle will it be Devin will it be Kyle will it be Devin it's going to be Kyle I think that much is clear they gave Devin the opportunity to win the job Yes, there's a lot to like about his mobility. Yes, he's going to be a really good quarterback at Ohio State. The thing is, you can't replace the experience. You can't ex- replace the reps that Kyle has taken over three years in this program. You can't replace the fact that two years ago he started a game. Everybody wants to forget about the uh, the whole uh, the whole CJ Stroud doesn't play against Akron fiasco that we had going. And nobody nobody asked him to, to do much of anything, but. It's clear Devin's mobility, if needed, is a big plus that, you know, we thought CJ didn't have. Well, I mean, I think we all knew CJ had it, but they never let him use it. We knew Justin had. uh, Dwayne never had that and was a spectacular quarterback for us. So I think everybody needs to calm down. I know everybody's going to freak out. There's no more beloved position in America than Ohio State's backup quarterback. Everybody, the the first interception that he throws is going to be a, well, why didn't why didn't we put Devin out there? Why didn't Lincoln get out there? Why didn't we put Q out there? Like everybody, shut up! Like we <laughs> we Ryan Day has more than made clear that he's gonna put someone in New York, goddamn, every year that they they throw a pass in Columbus, Ohio. We're gonna be fine. I'm not worried about it at all. Kyle is the guy that I would start until I have a reason to start at anyone else, which is fine. There. It doesn't have to be a, oh, God, we have this all-world quarterback that we have to start immediately. And everyone wants to forget this. This is probably there, – there are two things that everybody's going to forget. One is TCU did not win the Big 12 last year. Kansas State won the Big 12. And because they made the natty, no one's ever going to fucking remember that. If you ask someone five years from now who won in 2022, everybody's going to say TCU even though they didn't. The other <laughs> one is that between Marv and Kyle – they were there were nine stars given out as recruits. Marv was the four. Kyle was the five. Acting like you know we're we're not we're not dumpster diving here at quarterback. Kyle McCord is a perfectly capable college quarterback. Can he be more than that? We'll find out. But yeah. there's not passes on error are not going to tell you how good that kid is. You need the live bullets to fire, and you need to see him against Indiana, Youngstown State, Western Kentucky. And I hope that they give Devin some snaps too, and a few of those blowouts just so that they can see what they actually have in these guys, and not just at quarterback, by the way, at all of these positions. You know, as we touched on earlier, we need the wide receivers that are freshmen to be ready in case something happens, God forbid, to Marv or Mecca. We need multiple linemen to be ready in case this line is thinner than we thought it was. The tight ends, the DNs, the linebackers, the safeties, the corners. You need to be able to get your freshmen and sophomores in that aren't playing yet, in case you need them, because, again, like we were talking about earlier, we needed all of them against Georgia. That team was beat up and almost dragged itself to a national championship without multiple wide receivers, without Cade Stover out there, running backs all banged up. They asked CJ to go out there and do it damn near by himself, and he almost did. Do I think there is a CJ Stroud at quarterback on this roster? No. Not yet, at least. But we don't need one as is proof from, from the Dwayne Haskins years. You don't need someone that's capable of doing the things that CJ did for us. And I think people are going to have a different appreciation for him looking back as these kids, whether it's Kyle or Devin, develop into what they will be, which I think is are going to be really, really good quarterbacks. I think people are going to have a different appreciation for the growth curve that CJ had and just how good he got by the end of that 21 season and obviously into 2022. Yeah, most definitely. And I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see these guys go ball. Let me plug you again. This is Anand Nandori. He is on Twitter at Nandori NFL. So tap in with him there and playerprofiler.com. I got one more heater for you before before we let you get out of here. I want to put it on wax. For uh, when me and Chris Drew last talked, we said this was the season Ohio State needs to get it done. I've said it here. Do you think this season we finally, Ryan Day finally gets his title? Do you think we finally get over that hump? I want to hear it. I think this is the year Ohio State wins a national title under two caveats. One, tackle gets fixed before Notre Dame. It's not a question going into that week four game. And two, 
Kyle McCord turns into what we think we he can be, or Devin Brown turns into what he think we can be, we think he can be, and is a legitimate difference maker at quarterback. I don't think they need that, but I think they need that to win a title in the manner that historically Ryan Day teams would have won a title. I appreciate. It. Well, all I heard is we win a title. I didn't guarantee oh, I heard. It, regardless of what happens. You heard it here first. <laughs> we'll see you in Houston, January 9th. Be there and be square. <laughs> Book your hotels now, actually. Right? Don't don't wait until November, folks. Go ahead and do it now. Prices will definitely be way more expensive once Buckeyes really know that they're going. <laughs> Need to get back to Indy first, man. That's that's step one. You know, we're locked in there. You know, I, I think that, that at Wisconsin game is the one that I have circled as the this is the one that people aren't talking about as much as they probably should, but that may be because I'm a two hour drive from Madison, Wisconsin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, that's definitely going to be a good one. I know last season, a lot of people wanted to tell us that we were losing to Wisconsin and I was willing to field any bet of any amount of money (laughs) on that because no. It's not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not. The, the Urban Meyer days of losing the Big Ten West opponents are, are gone. They're behind us. We're not doing that anymore. We're on to bigger and better things. So I'm hoping that we are able to steamroll them. And uh, that is not a slip up on this schedule. But I just want to thank you again. This was such an awesome experience. You provided so much insight from practice, so many things that we didn't know. And I hope the chat loved it. Uh, Smash that like button if you haven't already and make sure that you subscribe. Q, let the people know where they can find you. Well, first of all, I want to thank you. This is a great time interview, a lot of inside information. Man, I'm just it makes me even more excited to see these guys go ball and all that. So I appreciate you coming on here. And we're gonna have to get you back, man. Close to season, we, we gotta get you back in here. This is a good time for people who want to find me. I'm C Boy Quitting on Twitter, Flying and Johnson over there. Instagram. I do movies at Minor League Films for on YouTube. We actually got the Johnny Manziel thing coming up, so we're going to talk that very soon. Want to preview that a little bit, but that's where you can find me. Back to you, Ron. They don't call him City Boy Quinn for nothing, so if you see him out in these streets, don't be shy. <laughs> Say hi to our boy Q, because he be out here. You, If you're trying to find me, you can find me on Twitter at 2 underscore T-E-S. That's two T's on Twitch at the same thing, and on TikTok at 2 Shicey. We are here every morning at 8 a.m. for the Buckeye Roast. We appreciate our guy, Non, for joining us today. Thank you, Q, for joining us. And shout out the chat. Make sure you guys smash that like button before we get out of here. Thank you, guys, and we will see you tomorrow. Oops. I guess our outro doesn't want to play today. Fuck Indiana while we're at it, too.